Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. I'm Kristen Dobniak, holistic nutritionist and mama of two, and this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, where I believe every mama is a super mama, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't need to go on another diet to do it. This is a podcast about ditching the diet dogma, embracing intuitive eating, real food, and living healthy, happy, and whole. Hey friends, Kristen here for my first ever Q&A episode of the podcast. Now, I want to start by telling you that um, I'm kind of a little bit nervous <laughs> to, to record this podcast with you because this is pretty off the cuff. I decided that I wanted to make this podcast very genuine um, and just ask you questions. So I asked on Facebook, um, in the Healthy Mama Life Facebook community, which by the way, you can join if you're not a part of. Um, in the Super Mama Society, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And I got a handful of questions um, that I decided I was going to answer today in a Q&A episode. But um, for those of you who don't know this, I am an Enneagram Type 1, which is kind of very similar to the Type A personality, where I really like having an outline in front of me. And I really like things to be in order and to be a certain way and to be right. And so for me, doing something off the cuff, like a Q&A episode, is a little anxiety provoking. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it today um, because I'm really excited to connect with you a little bit more. It's really fun to record these podcasts and be behind the mic, um, but I really love connecting with you as listeners. I love all of the emails you send and when you tag me on Instagram and Facebook when you've been listening to my podcast and it's been resonating with you, but I really want to answer the questions and provide you with the topics about the things that you actually care about. Um, I really, truly want to serve you with this podcast. It's not for me, it's for you. So today I would thought um, I would answer some questions that you asked me. And so this is a total open Q&A. So it is about everything from a couple things about me um, to some stuff about intuitive eating, even a little bit about my husband and what is in my dream kitchen. So stay tuned. Okay, so the first question is, how did I get into nutrition? So if you listened to episode two, which is my story, um, and it talks all about my journey um, really in my health um, from dieting um, and having an eating disorder to being super obsessed with fitness um, and then, you know, kind of going into disordered eating again to really, truly finding uh, freedom and priest and peace, (laughs) freedom and peace with food. Um, 
So you can go back and listen to that. And that kind of talks a little bit about my nutrition journey. But really, um, interestingly enough, I, I talked a little bit about my journey um, in martial arts in that episode. But um, I did martial arts for about 10 years from the age of about 7 to 17. And I loved it. I have never been one for team sports. I talked about that in my fitness journey um, because I'm just really not good at them. Not that I'm not a team player. I'm just, I haven't been that skilled at team sports. I'm a runner and I did martial arts for a long time. And even though I was on like our demonstration team, um, really it was more of a solo sport. So I love doing martial arts. My dad did it with me. Um, and when I was 15, I entered into black belt training with a bunch of other guys. And we started learning um, about the things that we should be eating when we were doing a really intense training. I know we had a really intense training that was coming up. Um, it was one of our, our tests, our practical tests, and it's like all night long. It was hours and hours and hours. And they gave us recommendations um, for things to bring with us to fuel us for some an athletic feat that was so rigorous. And so I found this really fascinating. And so I decided to dig in more into what would actually fuel my body for this long and athletic feat, because I've never something that I had really done or explored before. And I've always loved science. I'm a big nerd. I also love writing. And it's a really funny combination when I tell people like my favorite subjects in school were like writing, um, I guess, language arts and reading, because I love to read, um, and science, but really they go together, especially in the nutrition world. I love digging into research studies and learning. I'm a huge, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, and so I really loved digging into nutrition. And so I started learning more about what kind of foods would fuel my body well. Now, the downside to this is I didn't really have any guidance from there on, you know, how to apply these things in a really healthful way. Um, I kind of took it to the extreme and it turned into an obsession with my fitness and with my body. But in the beginning stages, it was positive because I found something that I was really passionate about. And at that point, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. When I was in um, when I was in high school, I went from wanting to be a hairstylist and makeup artist. Yes, if you follow me on social media, you know that the um, amount of times in a month I do my hair might be twice. <laughs> Usually it's up in a messy bun on the top of my head or it's down and wavy. That is my natural hair. Um, I love to straighten it now and again. I used to straighten it every day in high school and my hair is like thick and curly and it was, it took so much time. I can't believe I did that. But well, that's part of my journey, right? Is really accepting myself, everything, hair and all. Um, so why did I even start talking about that? I have no idea, but that's what I wanted to do for a while was I wanted to be a hairstylist and I had my hairstylist I really looked up to and she's still my hairstylist to this day, which is really fun. Um, you know, when I lived in Toronto, I would even come down and see her every now and again. But I decided that that wasn't really my path. And then I thought about um, being a forensic investigator because I, I know this is so different than what I do now, but I really was really passionate um, about like solving crime and true crime. And I found it really fascinating. Um, and I actually I ended up going to the University of Rhode Island, but my grand father was a professor there for a number of years and he actually brought me once to be able to uh, to go and see like the forensic investigation um building at uri which was 
really cool to see. Um, but eventually I decided that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do either. So once I started getting more passionate about nutrition, um, in terms of my black belt training and I got my black belt and I started becoming more interested in this, I started looking into university programs, um, on nutrition. And so initially I had, I almost went to school in Hawaii, which is crazy. And knowing myself now and how much I love to hang out on the beach and to surf, I feel like I probably would have surfed and partied and not actually, um, um, ended up with a degree or any accolades at the end of it, but um, I didn't. I ended up, uh, my best friend was going to school at the University of Rhode Island, um, and I believe she started out as a different major, but she ended up switching to nutrition as well, um, and we ended up both going to URI, which was about 20 minutes away from my hometown, So I, I, but I still wanted to live on campus, so I lived on campus. I actually lived off campus my second year. That was when I met my husband, um, so I went in initially in the dietetics program. And so for my first two years of school, I was going, moving towards dietetics. But we took a class on exactly what, like, a dietitian did versus, you know, what you could do with a nutrition degree. And I started thinking about how, like, uncomfortable I was in hospitals and how much I didn't love working in a medical type environment. And I was sort of afraid or fearful that I would end up in something like um, dialysis or tube feeding or something like that. That really wasn't what I wanted to do with my career. And what's interesting now is I see so many registered dietitians on Instagram and Facebook and having their own private practice and doing all of these things that I could have definitely seen myself doing if I had gone the dietetics route. Um, but it wasn't really a decade ago. It wasn't really, um, what they were telling you the dietetics path, like where they told you it would take you. You know, they were telling me that it would be the more secure path, but chances are I was going to work in a hospital. I would have to go through this year-long internship that I would have to pay for, and then I would probably end up working in some sort of a hospital, or I could work in private practice, but that would be much harder because I'd have to own my own business. All of this is so funny to me today because now I'm in private practice and I own my own business. Um, but that wasn't really the path that I thought I wanted to take. So what I did then was switch to the nutrition major. So rather than doing dietetics, I switched to nutrition um, with a focus on sports nutrition. So my major was nutrition and my minor was sports nutrition. And so that's where I continued. So fast forward to meeting my husband and deciding to move up to Canada. So after school, I decided, actually part way through school, um, I decided to move up to Toronto and go to culinary school because one of the things that I really appreciated in learning more about food was how fun it is to learn about what foods are nutrient dense and really sort of apply them to our lives. I think there was there was very little in my nutrition training in university. And I know that's not the purpose of it, um, but there was very little training about how to take the foods that you were quote unquote supposed to eat and actually apply them to your everyday life. So I decided to go to culinary school to learn how to cook. I already love to cook. Um, and after a semester abroad um, summer in Italy, where I took some cooking classes and I just became really, really passionate about cooking, especially as I was healing from my eating disorder, which happened um, sort of in between my second and third year of college. Um, I really got passionate about food. So I went to culinary school. And so I started working as a personal chef. 
Um, and obviously, I didn't have any qualified nutrition credentials in Canada, so I couldn't work in the field of nutrition when I initially got to Canada. So I worked as a personal chef, but I focused on special diets. Um, you know, if someone was gluten-free or needed blood sugar balancing meals or something like that, I worked with a lot of elderly and a lot of families and a couple people who had special dietary restrictions and needed some help um, with just getting meals on the table. So I did that for um, a really long time, um, about three or four years. And I, well, I, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to look at, like, think of the actual timeline. It was about four years that I did that um, on and off. <clears throat> Excuse me. So during that time, I also ended up getting an internship um, with a nutritionist, Megan, who had a cooking studio in Toronto. And I lived just outside the city or sort of on the west end of the city. So she was downtown um, and I went to a class at her place and she had um, a posting online about looking for an intern. And so I went in and I applied and I, I, w- I got this internship where and I worked there for a year before I was actually able to work. Um, I was getting my the equivalent of my green card in Canada, my permanent residency. And so I, I in the meantime, um, during the school year was sort of when she held classes. I interned with her for a year and then I became her kitchen manager. So I was doing the personal chef thing and I also became her kitchen manager and I was kind of helping her with her cooking classes there. And eventually I started teaching my own cooking classes. And when she opened up her um, culinary nutrition program, I also took that. So I became a culinary nutrition expert, I started learning more about holistic nutrition and getting really fascinated about holistic nutrition. And that's where the switch in my my brain and my education really started going from traditional nutrition school, from what I learned, like the USDA nutrition standards um, of my university days to holistic nutrition. And that's when I went and studied holistic nutrition. And then I got um, my health coach certification in family nutrition and prenatal nutrition. I know I have a whole handful of certifications under my belt just because I love to learn. And then I went ahead and got my sports nutrition certification. So with all of this, I was still working as a personal chef, teaching cooking classes, and then I had a baby. And then after I had Sage, that is when I jumped into really um, combining my passion for sports nutrition and food um, and started working as a health coach and holistic nutritionist. Now, in the beginning, it was very fitness-focused. I did. I helped women lose weight, and I helped women, um, you know, get more fit. Um, and I was really passionate about it at, at, for a time. Um, but the more and more I got obsessed with my own fitness and really feeling like I needed to be the fittest person in the room in order to even have this career or hold the credentials that I did, I also became a certified personal trainer. The more I realized that it wasn't really my calling. Um, And it wasn't serving me. It wasn't serving my family. And it really wasn't serving the women that I was working with. And I started noticing that the women I was working with, nothing was sticking. I was giving them all of the right tools. I was telling them all of the right things to do when they would do them and then they would fall off and then they would do them and they would fall off. And it's so funny to think now, um, you know, what I know about diets and what I know about plans and programs and and things like that, um, that are so restrictive and that this is natural. It's normal and natural that they would fall off of it and then want to go back on in this diet cycle. I was just feeding into this diet cycle. And it's really sad to think about now, but that's where I was at at that point in my life. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm sort of sorry. I, I'm not sort of. I am. I'm, I'm sorry for any of the women that I worked with during that time and clouded their brains, but I didn't know any better. I came from the background of both um, food as kind of macro and micronutrients to holistic nutrition, where I learned a lot about digestive health and hormone balance um, and really digging into supplements and things like that. And I didn't even mention that as part of my story. I was struggling with some digestive issues, and that's really what encouraged me, um, as well as working at Megan's to explore more of holistic nutrition. Um, but I'm trying to keep this kind of short because my story is very long, but I'm eventually, once I moved into intuitive eating, um, was when I really, I really started finding a grasp on what I wanted to teach people. I created my, um, healthy mama meal prep course to help moms learn how to prep food ahead of time to really, um, help them eat healthier in a more simple, doable way um, and to save them time so they can spend more time with their family throughout the week. Um, I created an online program that's changed quite a bit throughout the year, talking about real food and the importance of, of real food, but then also, you know, tuning into your intuition um, and becoming a mindful eater, not just a healthy eater. So that has sort of been my journey. And so what I do now, in addition to the podcast and my Healthy Mama Chris blog, which isn't really my career, it's sort of an, an offshoot of that. I don't make any money on my blog. It's just something that I provide as a resource for my clients. But I work one-on-one -on -one with clients and helping them find freedom with food and find their balance um, in real food and healthy living. So I work with clients on everything from meal planning and meal prep um, in a way that works for them to eating more real foods and a lot on finding food freedom and peace with food. And so that is how I got into nutrition and got into what I am doing now and so passionate about sharing this message of not needing to diet um, to really truly live a healthy life, but being able to tune into your body to find what serves you. So the second question, um, I get this question all the time, and it's so funny um, because oftentimes if I'm cooking, this is just kind of an aside, but I don't wear my wedding ring. Um, uh, another fun aside is that my engagement ring is actually lost right now because my... <laughs> My little one, my 18-month-old friend, was playing with it, and it was in this, like, little, I have this cute little, like, lotus bowl next to my bed, which holds, like, my rings and um, my necklace that I wear pretty much every day, and she was playing with it, and all of a sudden it was gone, and it's been a month now, and I have no idea where it is, which is really sad because I love it. But oftentimes I don't wear my wedding ring. Um, and so I've gotten questions like, where is your husband? Or what does your husband do? And I actually just sent him a text before I recorded this because I, I saw this question come up twice. And I was like, can I tell them what you do? Um, and I'm not going to share what company he works for. But he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. So um, the reason why my husband isn't around very much um, is because my husband's a professional sailor and he works for a sailmaking company. Um, so we live here on the coast of New England. Most of you know where I live, um, but we live in the coast of New England. We lived in Toronto for about five years. He grew up um, in more western Ontario, right on the lakes, in the Great Lakes, um, and he grew up sailing. And he actually worked at a sailmaking company in high school, and he did that for a long time um, and during summers in college. And then um, he actually, this is really funny, so my minor was kinesiology, right, exercise science, and his major was kinesiology. And so when we met, we kept running into each other, like in our early stages of dating. It was so awkward. We used to run into each other in the kinesiology building. Um, so his kind of, he graduated, you know, a year before um, me with a degree in kinesiology and had kind of, he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do with it. So he went, um, to be a, he applied to be a, a physical therapist or to go to physical therapy school, um, in Canada. But while that happened, he got this job working for this sailmaking company. 
And so he decided to, instead of going to school for physical therapy, to pursue working for a cell-making company. So he worked as a salesman, and now he does um, a little bit more like project management, sales facilitation. In any case, he also works as a professional sailor through his company and um, with different teams. So he is in and out a lot, especially in the summertime. So you'll see me on Instagram like, Daddy's gone again, because <laughs> he's back and forth a lot. Um, but yeah, so he's Canadian. And he's a sailor, and it's pretty cool. And no, I don't really know how to sail. I do, sort of. I love being out on the boat, but I am certainly not a sailor by any means. But I want to learn, so eventually, hopefully one day, I will get to really, truly learn how to sail. But fun fact, I was a camp counselor, and I helped with boating because I love canoeing and kayaking being and surfing. Being on the water is one of my favorite things, but sailing was just something that I never learned. And so it's just so funny that I ended up married to a sailor. Um, and, you know... Growing up here in New England, a lot of people grew up sailing, and I just happened to not. So that's kind of fun. So the, switching gears a little bit, um, I had a question from a, um, a follower on Facebook. And this is such a fun question, and I haven't actually thought about it very much. So we'll see what my, what my answers end up being. But her question was, what are your must-haves in your dream kitchen at home? So I have worked in a number of kitchens. Like I said, I worked as a personal chef for a long time. I did a little bit of catering in there too um, with a couple of my friends. And I worked I worked on a boat in the summertime. I worked on a, um, I guess, a redone tall ship that they turned into like a harbor cruise boat. I worked um, in a, for a professional um, soup making company. They were a vegan soup making company in Toronto. I worked for a granola bar company. So I've worked in a number of professional kitchens um, and I worked at a, a really high-end yacht club as well. So, and those are all in the summertime in between doing my personal chef stuff. Every time I tell um, people my story, they, they're like, you've lived a lot of lives for how old you are. And you'll find out how old I am later this summer if you don't already know. I have a podcast episode coming out all about that. So my must-haves in my dream kitchen, if I had a dream kitchen, and the, I'm kind of picturing it in my head right now, um, I'm very minimalist by nature. I don't like having a lot of stuff. In fact, like when my house is messy, I am very anxious and kind of off, right? So I really prefer to not have a ton of stuff. But what I have, but I like having things, having tools that will help me um, do the things that I want to do. I think everyone is like that in that way, but I really, I do enjoy having a good amount of tools, but I do like to also keep it simple. So I, I think I'm going to do a video actually in the very near future talking about my actual kitchen essentials, like the things that I think are essential for a healthy mommy kitchen. So stay tuned for that. I will make that happen very soon. I'll head up to my uh, mom's kitchen, which is where I do most of my filming because my, my kitchen's a little bit dark here in my apartment. So there's another fun fact. If you guys don't know where I film all my videos, if you see me on Instagram, I'm in a different kitchen than, uh, <laughs> than the videos I film. It's my mom's kitchen. So my kitchen essentials in a dream kitchen really good high quality blender is the first thing that pops into my brain which is a really good high quality blender so right now I have a Vitamix but it's the home version um, I would probably want the one that's a little bit less loud the professional version that would be incredible I've used those in a few different restaurants um, so certainly a really good quality blender I love my smoothies you all know how much I love my smoothies so blenders first and foremost um, and then Going along with that, a food processor, <clears throat> like a really good quality food processor. The one I have right now is actually a hand-me-down from my mom because mine broke and, well, I need a food processor and I need to buy her a new one. Um, but she was very sweet to give me her food processor in the meantime. And it's just a really, like, inexpensive Hamilton Beach one. And it works 
perfectly fine, but like a really nice Cuisinart would be really great. I would love to have that as well as a KitchenAid mixer. I have a hand mixer right now. When I tell you I am minimalist and I don't buy something else if it has to sit on my counter, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm being real, but I would love a KitchenAid, especially in like a cool like teal color or something like that. I would love a really good KitchenAid because I've used those in multiple kitchens professionally, um, but really also as a personal chef, it was really, um, it was really essential for me to have lightweight goods that um, I could carry with me. So if I was doing something with a mixer and they didn't have a mixer, the hand mixer worked really well for me. Um, I'm, I'm really used to working with minimal equipment because I carried my equipment back and forth with me um, throughout like the city. And I could only take so many trips up and down the stairs when I was working in somebody's apartment. Um, when I, Like I said, I worked all over the city as a personal chef. So I got used to using very minimal equipment and I actually prefer that in my kitchen. I'd rather have less but better equipment. So the other thing that would be an essential in my dream kitchen, a must-have, would be a really nice set of Le Creuset or similar um, cast iron. So Dutch ovens, pans, um, cast iron is fabulous. It's really safe. There's no Teflon, none of those weird ingredients that are not good for our bodies and work as estrogen um, mimickers and all that jazz. So they're really good um, quality, and when you keep them well-seasoned, especially the... um, Lodge cast iron you have to keep seasoned, but Le Creuset is like enameled, I think that's right. Um, so they stay pretty much nonstick, and so you don't need to worry about them. So that would be really good. Um, really nice bamboo cutting board that stays still. Bamboo can warp if it gets wet um, and sits out wet, so you have to be careful with your bamboo cutting board. But I really like a good, sturdy, nice, big bamboo cutting board um, and a really nice set of knives. Right now I use global knives. Those are my favorite because they're very lightweight and I'm a small person. I'm only five feet tall. And so I like having something that's light in my hand. Um, and so just a really nice set of those. The ones I use right now, for those of you who are curious, is the eight inch chef's knife, um, Santoku, which I think is a six inch. And then I love their vegetable knife. And I just have a regular old paring knife too. And those are my main knives that I use on an everyday basis. So blender, food processor, knives, cutting board, Le Creuset pots and pans for sure. What else is an essential? Stand mixer. I said that too. Um, and really just like good quality spatulas. My favorites are um, from Williams and Sonoma. They're silicone spatulas with a wooden handle. They're really great um, and flexible if you get the good ones. So those are always an essential in my kitchen. And then other dream items that I guess I could have in my kitchen. It's funny, I'm thinking of all of these like exotic tools and um, fancy things that you could have in your kitchen. And like, I don't really want any of them. <laughs> I really, you know what I would really love is um, my my best friend who is actually now dating my sister. So hopefully he'll be my future brother-in-law. Um, he has a pizza stone in his kitchen, like a really nice heavy duty pizza stone. He has two ovens. So if I, my dream kitchen, I would certainly have two ovens, one that will would be confection, um, confection, convection, and one that works just as a regular oven. Um, gas stove also as an aside um I w- he has a pizza stone in one of them and we love pizza in my house we love making homemade pizza dough hence why I also want a stand mixer but that's that's one that I would definitely like in in my dream kitchen and honestly I really can't think of much else other than just the basics like good pot holders <laughs> and things like that or really I don't even use pot holders if I'm gonna be totally honest I use kitchen towels so big old stack of kitchen towels and somebody to wash them for me because I don't like doing laundry. But those are my must-haves in my dream kitchen. It's nothing fancy. It's just good quality basics. That's what would be in my dream kitchen. I would also really love a farmhouse sink. Yeah. 
and a marble island. So I guess there's those things too. Oh, you know what I would love in my dream kitchen? This isn't a cooking thing at all. My husband knows and I keep telling him we need one. and He keeps trying to convince me that we don't. But I love wine. So a wine fridge. Can I say that? Is that part of my dream kitchen? It's not really a kitchen item, but you know, a nice big fridge too. All right, done talking about my dream kitchen, but I hope I gave you some insight into into kind of my opinion when it comes to cooking and tools, and I believe in good quality tools, but just having enough, just having what you need. I'm sorry if you guys can hear the airplane in the background. I don't know why today seems to be the day where we have airplanes flying around the island, but we do, so I hope it's not too loud for you. It's not too loud for me here, so just a little note there. So I have two more questions that I'm going to answer today, and they are about intuitive eating. And then I'm going to wrap it up. And um, if you guys like this, I really want you to let me know because I will do another one in the future. Hopefully this isn't too crazy, weird, and off topic. But I like talking to you, and I like having you um, get to know me and my story a little bit more. So this comes from um, a follower um, and a member of my Healthy Mama Life community. So she says, my first question or concern with intuitive eating is following hunger cues when you have to follow a work schedule. This also transfers to my own children and the students that I teach when kids are really restricted to times that they can eat and drink during the school day. Okay, so this is tricky if you're in the early stages of intuitive eating for sure. There's a lot of the early stages of intuitive eating beyond, you know, ditching the diet dogma and making peace with food and dealing with the food police and choosing satisfying foods is to them is to honor your hunger and fullness and learn to tune in to when your body needs more fuel. Um, and then because I, I always say that it's, it's next to impossible to respond to your fullness um, if you don't respond to your hunger. So if you go to a meal too hungry, it's really hard to, you know, obviously only eat until you're healthfully satisfied and full and not overeat because you're overly hungry. Over hungry usually means overeating or you don't eat enough because you think that, you know, you shouldn't and then you end up hungry later on and it backfires a lot. Ignoring your hunger never wins. (laughs) At the same time, when you have a schedule where you can only eat at certain times, it can be really difficult. Um, So the first thing I would recommend is really practicing noticing your hunger and fullness cues um, on the weekends when you can, when you have the time to listen to your hunger and fullness cues and notice when your body becomes hungry. It's normal for our bodies to, for our hunger levels to change day to day, but it's also normal for our hunger levels to be like about the same throughout the day because we've gotten into a certain routine. So I think, you know, honoring our hunger and fullness on the weekends and when we're out of our general routine is one thing, but I think ultimately this is just about learning what feels good in your body and what combination of foods is actually filling and will hold you over between those t- those pockets of time where you actually have time to eat food or to have a snack and what really truly makes you feel good and energized. Remember that intuitive eating is not the hunger and fullness diet. It's not just about hunger and fullness. This is a, almost a small part of the journey. It's, it's something that's really important to tune into, but it's not everything. Um, so a lot of intuitive eating is eating for self-care. It really is. Evelyn calls it a self-care nutrition framework. Evelyn Evelyn Tribbley, like we're on first name basis. I have met her in person, um, but we're not like besties yet. <laughs> Evelyn Tribbley, one of the creators of, <laughs> like I said, yet, um, one of the creators of intuitive eating, she talks about it being a, a self-care nutrition framework. And it's a framework, right? It's not a diet plan. It's not something like you're not going to fail if you don't eat when you're hungry. It's okay to um, learn what feels good and eat during these a lot of times because you have to and that's just life and that just happens sometimes and if that's the way your life is really what it is then is about 
what combination of foods can I eat? Can I pack in my lunchbox or have as a snack that feels really good in my body and keeps me full from point A to point B? So what kind of breakfast can I have before I get to school that's going to keep me full from 730 in the morning until 1230 when my lunch break is? Um, If you can have a snack in between, great. If not, don't worry about it, right? And you'll be able to adjust from there. So start at breakfast and then move on to lunch. And then if you have time for a snack in the afternoon, or if you don't and you're not hungry, that's okay. And know that, you know, your hunger and fullness cues will change throughout the day. But I I, um, recommend bringing a variety of foods with you to... um, sort of honor different levels of hunger. So one day, you know, just uh, a big old kale salad with some avocado and some chicken and some, you know, nuts on top, that might be like really good and feel awesome and energizing and hold you throughout the day. And then one day you might be like, that was so not enough food and you need to have like a yogurt or a piece of fruit or, you know, some trail mix or a bar or something like that on the side along with it. So really honoring um, your, that your body, your hunger levels might change throughout the day depending on what you had for breakfast or depending on what you ate or didn't eat the day before. It might change. So just making sure that you're, you're providing um, a variety of foods so that you're still honoring your hunger, um, but also learning what combination of foods really, really feels good to you. And for kids, um, on my website, on HealthyMamaChris.com, I have a healthy lunchbox formula. And we will be talking more about this in the Super Mama Society come September for Back to School, all about kids' nutrition. I have some awesome guests coming here on the podcast talking about kids' nutrition and packing a healthy lunchbox and all of that jazz. Um, So we will definitely be talking more about that. But with kids, it's the same way. It's asking your kids um, and encouraging the kids that you work with um, to notice what feels good in their body. What kind of breakfast did they have? Did it keep them full until lunch? Were they starving midday? Because they're not going to be able to concentrate if they're starving midday and they didn't eat a really good breakfast. Um, Making sure that, you know, they're not... They're not eating breakfast so big that they're not hungry for lunch because you still need to eat something midday. They need to be refueled at some point midday. Um, But also that, you know, maybe they're not starving by the time they come to lunch and end up, you know, overeating and not being able to listen to their hunger cues. So sometimes it's a delicate balance, but for both you and your kids and the kids you work with, it's tuning into, okay, what did you have for breakfast? And how does that feel, breakfast to lunch? And then at lunchtime, is there enough food to honor your hunger in whatever way is necessary. So oftentimes this just means packing more and um, teaching yourself and your kids and the kids that, um, I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes to, you know, the kids that you teach, but if they ask you questions, um, to listen to their bodies and listen to what their body wants that day in terms of, you know, whatever is in their lunchbox, what do they want, um, and eat it slowly and tune in and be mindful when they are actually eating the food and stop when they're full. Um, and it's a process. It's a process for you. If you're new to the intuitive eating journey, it's a process for the kids to learn too. But remember that kids know how to self-regulate. Um, I love the work of Ellen Satter. She talks about the division of responsibility with kids and it applies for lunchboxes too, where the parent provides the food and the child decides what to eat rather than trying to control them or only giving them a limited amount of food because you're afraid they're going to overeat. Just like us, kids' hunger changes from day to day and making sure that they have enough food, um, but they know that it's okay to not eat everything and to stop when they're full as well. So I hope that was helpful. Um, it really is a journey, um, and it's not a journey of perfection. There is going to be no perfect meal that's going to work for you all the time. I talk about things like, you know, the power plate to give you an idea of what, you know, the nutri- what it looks like to have nutrients, like a balance of nutrients on your plate. 
Um, but at the same time, that's going to change meal to meal, day to day, season to season, depending on what sounds satisfying to you and what feels good to you. So it's learning what works really for you. Um, and just experimenting and not being afraid to experiment and not being, you know, some days you're going to be hungry and maybe you don't have enough food and that's okay. You can have a snack if you, if there's time in the afternoon and if not, you know what, it's just one day. And then you move on. And the more you start noticing and tuning in, the easier it will be to pack yourself food. And even if it even if it means eating at regular times, still honor your hunger and fullness within that. So the second question is regarding healthy habits. I have stuck with lemon water in the morning and collagen in my coffee at least once a day. I don't necessarily feel a difference doing these things, even though in my head I think they're healthy. How can I tell they're actually working to benefit my body? So this is a really interesting question. I love this one. And this is one where I'm really going to send it back to you. If you don't see any benefit and you don't want to spend the money on it and you don't want to be doing this practice anymore, it's okay to stop. It's okay to say, nah, this isn't really working for me. For me, I really notice my recovery from exercise. Um, so whether I'm going on a long run or I'm doing, I love booty yoga. That's my new thing I've really been enjoying is I'm um, doing, um, it's B-U-T-I. Um, it's kind of a mix of tribal dance and yoga. It's really cool. And I do their, um, their online stuff. Um, but I get really sore from it. Um, but I notice my recovery is faster and I'm not sore as long when I'm taking collagen. I don't have achy joints um, as much. And so... It could be that maybe you're not taking enough to see a result and maybe you need to take another scoop of collagen throughout the day and try that out if you're really passionate about making it work for you. Um, but if it's not working for you, it's okay to stop. Just because somebody says it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for you. Um, but at this, and same thing with lemon water, if it's giving you a heartburn or you're not feeling good with it, it's okay to stop. So you can find an alternative. Apple cider vinegar is also helpful to kickstart your digestion in the morning. Um, that's the number one thing. The number one reason that I recommend lemon water in the morning is because it kickstarts bile production, which helps your um, whole digestive system kind of get going. It's also high in vitamin C, um, which is good for your immune system. Most of us know that, and it's good just to have that. It's also good for your adrenal gland, your, st your stress response. But it doesn't, there's no panacea to health, okay? So if you don't like if you don't want to do it anymore it's okay to stop but I also want to encourage you that it is also okay to make choices for your future self even if you're not seeing results right now so making choices for your future self means drinking the lemon water because you know it kickstarts your digestion you might notice if you stop drinking the lemon water your digestion feels a little bit funkier it's harder to digest certain foods or you might not you might feel absolutely nothing and either one is okay neither is right and wrong um, but with collagen specifically right Collagen helps to um, heal and seal the gut lining, so it's really good for gut health, and we know that gut health is really beneficial for immune health and brain health um, and long-term health. There's been a lot of research coming out now on the microbiome and how important it is. Um, and also for joint health and, you know, and bone health later on in life, especially women need to be very conscious about our, our bones. And as we get older, you know, our, it becomes um, more necessary and our collagen production decreases. And so supplementing, supplementing with collagen can actually help our bodies um, continue to produce enough collagen. And by the way, vitamin C and collagen work hand in hand. So when you're having that lemon water and then having that collagen later on, you are really benefiting your body in more ways than one there. So it is okay. I think with this question, what I want to um, <clears throat> what I want to recommend is that it's okay to stop. It's okay if it's not working, and you're like, I just I don't feel like spending the money. I don't feel like doing this anymore. Um, your health is up to you, and 
maybe taking it out and noticing if you feel a difference when you take it out, give it a few days. Um, you could try that or you can just take it out completely and try something else. It's okay to continue to try things just because it works for one person, just because I recommend it as something to try doesn't mean you have to do it. At the same time, it is also completely okay to make choices for your future self, even if you're not seeing immediate results. Sometimes, um, it takes a little while for things for to notice results in something to, you know, to build back things back up. Um, adaptogens are a good example of this. Adaptogens are like really big in the nutrition world right now. And I'm talking about them this month um, in the Super Mama Society because I love them and I'm um, they can be really, really helpful for the stress response. If you're taking the right ones that work for you and your body and everyone's different and they're going to respond to them differently. And I have kind of an outline of the different adaptogens um, in that case. However, you, they need, they build up in your body. So you, most of them, not all of them, but most of them build up in your body. Most of them, you don't see an immediate response. So you have to take them for a little while in order to actually start responding to them. Um, and so a lot of people will like take them for two days and be like, ah, I didn't notice anything different and toss it. So sometimes it does take time. Sometimes making a choice for your future self is sticking with something for a couple weeks to see if it feels better or, you know, probiotic for a month or something along those lines. So it can go either way and it's up to you. You are the only person who can decide what is best for your body. Nutritionists, doctors, experts can give you suggestions for what works in your body, but no one knows your body better than you do, and no one can make the right decisions for your body other than you. So I want to encourage you with that, that it's okay to throw it away, but it's also okay to make choices for your, for your future self. I mean, we all make choices day to day for our future self, like if we're choosing not to smoke because we know that, I mean... I don't know if you like smoking. I don't. But if you like smoking, that it might feel good now, but it's not going to feel good for my future self. So I'm going to quit. That's you know, kind of an extreme example, especially if you're listening to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. But you know what? We all have our things, right? So um, sometimes you might not feel the immediate. Actually, in that case, the immediate might not feel so great to not have it. But we know that um, in the future, we want to live a long time and you know not have mouth cancer. Um, so on that note, <laughs> I hope that was encouraging to you. Um, I covered a bunch today in this is kind of a longer episode, but it was really fun to chat with you today. Those of you who don't know that I'm really chatty and I love to chat, <laughs> those of you who know me in real life for sure know that I love to chat, um, but it was it was really fun and I hope I didn't say um too much too, to chat with you about how I really got into nutrition, um, what my husband does, what I would put in my simple dream kitchen, and a couple of questions on intuitive eating. So I hope that um, you found this encouraging and that you enjoyed this, and if you did enjoy it and you want more Q&A episodes, please let me know. Just shoot me a message on Instagram or Facebook or send me an email. Chris at HealthyMamaChris.com and tell me you want another Q&A episode and send a question along with it because the only reason I'm doing these is because you have sent me questions and want to know more about me and more about intuitive eating um, in my dream kitchen. And uh, I will come up with um, a list of kitchen essentials and things that I find essential in my kitchen, but they're not that different from what I would put in my dream kitchen. Um, so I hope that um, that was all good for you today and you all have a beautiful day. Until next time, friends. Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris or on my website, healthymamachris.com. 
And don't forget to join us in the newly launched Supermama Society, a monthly membership to help you tune in to your intuition and nourish yourself without restriction to live like the Supermama I know you are. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friends.